distinct privilege this morning of hearing my favorite preacher. This person has been preaching to me for 20 years. Her best sermons usually happen in my house when I do stuff that I'm not supposed to, and she's very gracious. So would you guys welcome my wonderful wife, April. Thank you. It is a pleasure and a privilege to speak to you this morning, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and when you're asked to preach on a holiday for a specific thing, you always try to like, well, I wonder, should I preach a sermon like directly related to that specific thing, like just for moms, or do I try to preach a sermon that's for everybody? Um, but this morning, I decided to go ahead and preach a sermon right to the moms because we have so many decisions to make in life already. I figured I would get a little bit controversial and share a message on something that in our culture is hard. There's a lot of decisions to make, so I figured I would just lay it to rest and preach on the biblical perspective of vaccines and God's heart for kids. <laughs> so if you'll bear with me for a second, you can open in your Bibles to the book of I'm Just Kidding. I will never do that. <laughs> but I am going to preach a sermon that is directed towards moms this morning. And um, I know that uh, God can illuminate and reveal things to each one of us, though, because it's still about God's call, and it's about his purposes, and it's about people. Um, so the sermon this morning is actually titled, Walk Worthy and Don't Grow Weary, and I won't be preaching about vaccines. Um, so how in the world do we not grow weary when we're doing one of the most demanding, constant, and relentless things out there? It's the most heart-captivating, sometimes the most heart-wrenching callings, and what are we called to? And um, when John asked me to preach, <clears throat> I was like... Oh, man, because as you moms all know, we probably have very full lives. And thinking about adding anything to that, I was a little bit like, I don't know. So I just gave it a couple minutes to think about it. And actually, God gave me specifically four things. And this sermon is very W-heavy. It's walk worthy, don't grow weary. And then the four things that we're going to talk about are water, weed, watch, and welcome. But I'm going to start with a story first because all Mother's Day sermons need to have a good embarrassing story about your kid, and Tessa didn't mind if I embarrassed her this morning. Um, so back in the day on Thursdays, we used to have young adults at my house, and that meant that we had to clean because we were going to have like 20 to 25 people. And moms know very well that in order to clean and accomplish anything, kids can't be there, right? Because cleaning while kids are awake is like trying to brush your teeth while eating Oreos, yeah, it's pointless <laughs> and sometimes even messier. So I was really happy because that day Tessa was napping and I was also like visibly pregnant. I don't remember exactly how long, but very pregnant with Jill. She's napping, I'm rushing to get things done. I hear her wake up and she's like just happy and kind of singing in her crib, talking away. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get a few more things done. And then she's quiet. And most of the time when kids are quiet, you're like, what's going on? But she was in her crib, so I figured we were okay. Took a few more minutes, finished a couple things, and then I heard her, you know, babbling and talking again. So I went up, and when I got to the bottom of the steps, it, like, hit me in the face. Now, my superpower as a mom is my smell. If there's anything wrong, I can always smell it first. So I get to the bottom of the steps, and it's like a wall of intensity. And I was like, oh, no. What is happening? So I ran upstairs, and I find her, like, super sweet face, look up. Like, she's not doing anything naughty. And her diaper was off and it was not brown paint, and it was on the beds, and the walls, and the crib. And when I'm pregnant, my nose is even stronger than normal, so I was like, 
overwhelmed, like immediately overwhelmed. I'm already tired. I don't have time for this today. And she wasn't trying to be naughty. So I'm like, I'm not going to be mad, but now I just have to figure out what am I going to do? Because if I take her out and bathe her, then I have to leave her. I can't leave her unsupervised in the water and I can't leave her unsupervised out of the water to then clean everything up. So I'm like, okay, game plan is I'm going to leave her in the crib and try to clean it all up. So I'm stripping all the sheets. Also, momming, I mean, Changing crib sheets was one of my least favorite momming jobs ever, especially while pregnant. It's just like super awkward and like getting in there. So I'm stripping it all down. I'm in the bathroom, bent over the tub, and I'm scrubbing it all out, holding back my throw up. And I hear her in the other room singing, your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out. And I'm like laughing to myself, like, is she singing that to me, Lord? Or are you singing, am I singing that to you? <laughs> But like all the frustration and the tension kind of faded away. I started to laugh and she's in on and on and on and on. Yes, it does. It just keeps going on and on and on. But anyways, I felt like the Lord just encouraged me, made me laugh. In the middle of the mess, he always shows up. He gives you what you need. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump into point one here. It's called Walk Worthy, Ephesians 4.1. As a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. And actually, I stopped there, and I decided not to preach on that part. As moms, I'm just going to leave that. Maybe John will want to preach on that on Father's Day, how to be completely humble and gentle. I'm going to go back to first one, where it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. When Paul wrote this, he was actually in prison in Rome, and he had gone there to preach the gospel, to strengthen believers, and to share good news, and he ends up in prison. Not his plan, not his expected circumstances, and the people that he went to preach to, wasn't, they weren't really receiving his message. But he was determined to preach the gospel, no matter what his circumstances were, even when they had changed, and no matter who received it or not. Can any of you moms relate to Paul? So he's in, he's in prison, and this specific one says he's under house arrest. It says he can receive visitors and he can preach the gospel, but he has to stay in his house. So I just, uh, I'm going to pretend like that verse is written just for moms this morning and read it again with a few personal touches. So this is not directly from the Bible, but as a prisoner of your children, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling of motherhood that you have received. As you are under house arrest... You may receive visitors as long as they don't mind seeing your mess and your stretchy pants, and you may preach the gospel. <laughs> so I'm kidding. They don't actually have us under house arrest, but sometimes it actually feels like it's almost impossible to get out of the house. Sometimes it feels like there's just so much going on, and your circumstances are not as expected, and the people that you're preaching to may not feel like they're receiving the message. But we are challenged to live out our calling in a way that brings God glory, no matter what your circumstances are, or how your message is received. We live out this calling of motherhood to bring God glory. We don't do it so that we look good. We don't do it so that our kids look good. We don't do it because we want a perfect family or peace in our home. And while we want all of those things, that actually isn't the reason that we mom hard. It's not the reason that we live worthy of the calling. So if you go to the next slide, there's actually something that we can read together this morning. If you are not a mom, feel free to fill in that, that word that we say, motherhood. And you can, turn, you can fill that in with whatever your calling is. It may not be up there. If it, is, it, is there a I walk worthy of this call? Okay. So I'm just going to say it to you. I walk worthy of this call to motherhood.
because I am accountable to God who gave me these kids and I will do it to bring him glory. I will do it to honor him. I will do it to bless him. I will do it because I trust his good heart towards us. And I will do it because that is what he has called me to do. And he who has called me is faithful. And there's definitely been times where I feel like all of my best efforts are not being received. And in those moments, we say, I'm going to do this because God has called me to it. I'm going to be faithful to the call of motherhood that he has given me. I need my water girl here. I can't chew gum while I'm preaching, so I just have to, like, take frequent drinks. Excuse me for a second. Video you? <laughs> I don't need it recorded. It's already recorded. Okay, so what are we called to do? What are we called to as moms? And this changes depending on your season because we have lots of different seasons. We have lots of different personalities in our kids. Moms have lots of different personalities. So the specifics of the calling might change and the season that you're in might change. When newborns, I mean, with newborns, we know that there's just this sweetness and this newness and everything is exciting, but it's also physically exhausting. And then you move into the toddler and the kid stage where they're learning all these new things and it's really fun and exciting, but they also have to learn how to discipline. They also have to learn how to listen. And there's a lot of constant enforcing things. And, and I don't know about you guys, but the best part of that stage is when they all learn how to put on their shoes, get in their own car seats and buckle themselves. And it's like a whole new level of freedom. And then you're going into the kids stage where they're involved in all their different activities, trying to learn what they like, what they're good at, what we want to spend our time on. And then the teenage years where you're learning how to let them have freedoms that you're not really sure if they're ready for. And you've done all this work trying to figure out the balance and the structure and creating a safe place for them where you try to be enough but not too much. And then adulthood, which we're not there yet, but I hear it's a whole different ballgame, where your influence and your investment is really up to them. And you hope and pray that everything that you have poured into them um, enables and empowers them to walk out what God has called them to do. So the different seasons that we're in and the different personalities of your kids and yourself will make the specifics a little bit different. But in general, there's four things that I felt like God gave me today, and we're going to look at nature and his creation for those clues. So the first one is that we water. We water our kids. We pour into them. This is what we're pouring in on a regular basis, what we are investing into them on a daily basis, what we're constantly giving. Most flowers and plants need some level of daily watering. Now, some don't need daily watering, but in momming, you don't really get to pick if you have like a succulent type kid that only needs water like once a week or a cactus that hardly ever needs it, sometimes you get the kids that are high maintenance and you just have to constantly pour in. So you don't get to pick um, what, how much watering your kid needs, but every one of them needs constant and daily watering. And there's three main, three main areas of watering. There's the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. And physically, we don't have to spend too much time on because moms, we are very aware of the food saga, right? There's breakfast, and then there's snack, and then there's lunch, and then there's snack, and then there's dinner, and then there's snack, and then it's bedtime, and all of a sudden, they need another snack. And if you've been a mom for even an hour, you will quickly figure out that momming is very physical. It's all about food, cleanup, and caring for their bodies. And not just taking care of their bodies, but a ton of decisions related to their care in general, like 
what food they're going to eat, what clothes they're going to wear, what medicines, if you're going to do vaccines or no vaccines. You're worried about their teeth. Are they coming in right? Are they falling out? Are they clean? Are they straight? Um, what activities are they going to do? And so there's all these different decisions in this responsibility, and we pour into them physically on a regular basis. We are called to water them. And then the next area, we pour into them emotionally. We are called to be a source of emotional support, making them feel seen, heard, cared for, and providing a safe place, which also means having boundaries and sometimes rules that they don't love. And some kids might be louder when they aren't getting those emotional needs met. Um, typically, kids have a way of expressing that. And some of them may be louder and acting out, and some of them may withdraw and be more quiet. But oftentimes, as mom, we have to learn when that kid is saying, I need some time and attention. I need some emotional watering. I need some extra support. When I was in sixth grade, I'll tell you a story of uh, my mom, because it's Mother's Day, and she was really an amazing mom. And um, this is one of my core memories. Um, so I'm moving to a new school. Up until then, I had gone to a, a Christian school, kind of had my crew. And I'm headed to a, a public school for the first time. We had moved houses. And so it was time for us to move into that district. And I was one of those kids that actually really loved people. I loved meeting new people. I loved new experiences. So I wasn't scared, which is surprising. I was really excited. I was excited to new, make new friends. So equipped with my long, curly, strawberry blonde hair and my probably borderline over-bubbly personality, I went in excited to meet all these girls. And I, I very quickly discovered that they were not quite as excited to meet me. And within the first month of school, I had like won a lip syncing competition, which like, what is that even? Like we stand up there and mouth words to somebody else's songs, but apparently I was really good at it and I won $50 and they were all super mad because they had prepared a little trio that they were gonna do together. And so that was the first thing, they hated me for that. And then I guess some of the guys liked me and for whatever reason, they just didn't like me and they weren't quiet about it. They were like crazy mean, like, you're so annoying, your personality is terrible, you never should have come here, you should just leave. And then finding a lunch table that felt impossible because everybody already had their little crews. And so it was the first time in my life that I felt like maybe I'm not okay the way that I am. And um, I, I kind of started getting tired about it. I was okay in the beginning, but I remember one day in particular I came home and I had held it together until I got home and then I just started bawling. I couldn't handle it anymore. And my mom, so I'm in sixth grade by now, I'm like the size of Tessa probably, and it wasn't common that I would sit on her lap at this age anymore. When we were little, I did that a lot, not so much anymore. But I remember her pulling me on her lap, and she just let me cry. And she hugged me and told me I'm, I'm okay, and she explained to me what jealousy is. And she basically said that the problem wasn't that I was worthy of their hate, but their jealousy kept them from seeing any of the good in me. But not to let it... Um, make me mean or angry or treat them the same, but that they will grow out of it. And so I had to experience for the first time, like, they felt this certain way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's because that's who I am. So she gave me the emotional support that I needed and the love and the comfort, but then she took it a step further. And she said, she started speaking God's truth into my heart. And she said, my spunky personality, my friendliness, and my red hair was a gift that God made me that way on purpose. And it resonated and it became louder than all the other voices because she spoke to my spirit about who God had made me to be. And that's going to be the third area that we pour into as moms. 
We pour into our kids spiritually. Can you take the lid off for me? That's what your job is. So physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And these first two, when kids are deprived of physical affection or emotional support, they usually have a way of being pretty loud about it. They can somehow express their needs, but oftentimes they don't even realize if they are spiritually deprived. And so we have a ton of kids walking around who are dehydrated spiritually and who are desperately thirsty for a drink of the water that doesn't run dry. And we sometimes are guilty of providing solutions or distractions to try to fill and figure out if that will keep them happy. But what they really need is to engage with the God who created them, to learn how to have a, an active relationship with them. And when they're little, we are spoon-feeding them. We're teaching them verses or songs and taking them to church and putting them in positions where they can hear the truth on a regular basis. And as they get older, we have to teach them how to have this interactive relationship with the Lord where he is the one who can fill their hearts. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one, the only God. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and mind, with all of your soul and with all of your strength or your entire being. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be written on your hearts and mind. You shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truths, and shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. This verse is talking about incorporating God into every area of our daily lives. When I was 10 years old, my parents took us on an epic vacation. We drove from New York to California over five weeks, going to a ton of national parks and places to hike. So we went to the Grand Canyon and Bryce Canyon and the, Red For the Redwood Forest. And I mean, it was five weeks long. And what's really even more exciting is they did this with four kids and a grandma in a van without any electronics or devices or Google Maps or any of those things that we have now to try to keep kids happy. <laughs> and on cameras that required film, you didn't even know what the picture looked like when you took it. You just hope that everybody's looking at the camera. And if you want to record it, like now we have our little phones and our videos we can just whip out. My mom literally, my mom and dad literally had this camera on their shoulder that was like the size of a boombox. So shout out to all the parents who've ever camped with kids and those who take them on vacations that when you come home, you, need, you feel like you need a vacation from your vacation. Um, but at this point in our vacation, it was my turn to sit in front next to my dad. And we all took turns because we were old enough. We were between like, well, back then it didn't matter as much anyways. But we were between the ages of 8 and 14. So it's my turn to sit in front with my dad. And we're driving. We're coming up to this place that is just like desert for miles blacktop, two-lane two highway, and desert for miles. So much to the point that they have signs. Like, as you're getting closer, it's like, make sure you get gas. Make sure you stop at the rest stop. You're not going to have anywhere to stop for the next, I don't remember how many miles, but it was a long time. And, okay, so another funny thing about this vacation is that my parents love to take souvenirs, but they didn't buy souvenirs. My dad, <laughs> he still does this, would find hats, free hats, any hat that was like along the side of the road or somebody left somewhere, <laughs> he would take these hats and wash them. And so he collected hats from like all over the country. <laughs> and my mom loved beautiful rocks and they weren't, not just like little rocks, but like big beautiful rocks and driftwood and wildflowers. And she would take them home and she had this, like we, she, I think she still has this big, huge, gorgeous piece of driftwood in her garden. 
So we're driving, and my dad, of all things, sees a box of rocks. <laughs> like, how random is that? A box of beautiful rocks on the side of the road in the desert. Like, was it a setup? I don't know. But he thinks, you know, being the good husband, he's going to pull over and maneuver our 12-passenger van and our camper around so he can go pick them up. So he starts to pull over, and all of a sudden, the van and the camper just sink, like, right into the sand. First of all, it didn't look like sand. It looked like blacktop, like straight up blacktop with the white line, and it's sand. Who does that? Like, are you trying to make people <laughs> sink? Anyways, so I know right away that that's a, like, it's gonna be a tough situation, and I'm kind of like, I'm sitting shotgun, and he, I look over at him, and he sighs, and he goes, thank you, Jesus. And I was like, why did you just thank Jesus? Like, even I can tell this is not a good situation. And he says, Oh, I'm like way ahead of myself. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, that the Bible says rejoice always, pray continually, continuously, and in all circumstances, um, be grateful. And so I was like, wow. I could see in that moment that even though this was not good, that he was trusting the Lord. And that was just his reaction to the situation. And so obviously we're still here. We did survive. Um, we thought we were going to die, like 107 degree heat. We can like feel it sucking the water out of our bodies. We managed to get push the van up on these like wood planks and straighten it up. He did leave the rocks and we just kept going. And even two, two cars passed us, like didn't stop. Just like, don't worry, we'll die out here. You keep going. But anyways, in the midst of this really hard situation, my dad says, thank you, Jesus. And that left a mark on me forever. Um, watering spiritually can be very intentional, where we're teaching the word in our home, teaching them to worship. But this is also just something that you can catch every day in your life as you communicate who God is and how he's involved in your life, what you're praying for, the struggles that you're facing, the ways that he has answered you. It's And as you sit, as you go, as you're in your home, invest in them and pour into them spiritually. And one of the best parts about this, Isaiah 58, 11 says, and I will always guide you and satisfy you with good things. I will keep you strong and well. You will be like a garden that has plenty of water, like a spring of water that never runs dry. When we pour into them spiritually, it's not just our own efforts. He comes alongside because he is the one who guides and satisfies with good things. And when it's not just your responsibility to guiding and satisfying your kids, that can be, bring so much freedom. That he comes and he guides, he satisfies, and he will also garden with you with plenty of water, like a spring of water that never runs dry. We pour into our kids spiritually. Water break. The next thing that we do, the next W, so the first one was water. And the second one is to weed. This is what we pull out. So watering is what we pour in. Weeding is what we pour out. We dig up and we protect them from. There are so many voices in this culture that are fighting for the real estate of our kids' minds and hearts, for their loyalty, for their trust, and we are called to help tend the garden, to pull those weeds that want to climb up and choke out the life flow, that want to keep roots from growing and want to keep them from blooming. And that's a hard job. Weeding looks like saying no to things that don't bring life, disciplining, holding boundaries, and enforcing good things. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We will reap what we sow, 
and there is a promised harvest. But how many of us enjoy the weeding process, the actual process of like bending over and ripping everything out? In my opinion, it's a backbreaking task, and it takes a lot of determinations. Sorry, a lot of determination. At Mops on Thursday, I heard a friend say, it was actually funny because I was in the middle of like finishing up these and we randomly got into a conversation about it and she says, I hate weeding, so I just throw down the black paper stuff underneath. But in parenting, there is no black paper stuff that you just throw down underneath. There are no shortcuts to the process of disciplining, holding boundaries, and enforcing good things. And this goes for kids, but it also goes for people. As adults, we need not necessarily discipline in the form of punishment, but being a disciplined person. We need boundaries and we need to enforce those good things in our life. Um, this is, can be a retiring and relentless process, but there is a harvest that is promised. I'll give another story from my momming journey of my um, Jocelyn when she was in sixth grade. So up until then, she had gone to Gilead and she was moving to, back to Warsaw. She had gone to Warsaw in kindergarten. She's moving back now in fifth grade. So this is in her sixth grade year, and she's still trying to um, kind of establish her friend group. And everybody had been together for like five years, and so she's kind of coming in. Like they knew her, but she didn't really have like a solid friend group. But she had been invited to the homecoming dance with a group of friends, and so she was really excited. Um, for Jocelyn, she loves people, and she's very social, and so this was like a great opportunity for her. Um, but somehow, somewhere in the process of getting ready, I don't know why, I can't remember. She got a little bit stressed, a little bit crazy, a little bit sassy maybe, a little disrespectful. And um, we tried to reel her back in and give her lots of opportunities to kind of recover and make better decisions, but she just was not having it. So finally, John was like, all right, you don't go to the dance. And when he said that, first of all, I knew that it was needed, but I personally felt the pain of that. I was like, ugh. She really needs this, like she needs this opportunity to build relationships, and so I'm thinking of like the consequences of this, what that might look like. So we've got the pain and the discomfort in that way, and then we had the pain and the discomfort of now having her home. She didn't want to be there. And you all know, like when you discipline your kids, like let's just say you take away screens, that's actually a discipline for you. And sometimes when you have to discipline your kids, it's actually, it's difficult for us too, it's uncomfortable. Hebrews 12:11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So no matter what, it does seem like discipline can be uncomfortable. How many of your, ki of your kids are like, Mom, I'm just so grateful for that consequence because I know that it's going to pay off and bear good fruit in my life? Thank you for grounding me because my attitude was bad. I know that... It's just going gonna, gonna to bear good fruit. Just stick with it, Mom. Thank you for making me go to bed early because I was overtired and I just needed that extra rest. Or, man, this broccoli, I just, I'm so grateful for the iron that it's giving me to nourish my body because, no, they don't do that. We realize that they don't see the value of discipline in the moment. They just feel the discomfort. So whether it's a baby fighting sleep or kids fighting eating their vegetables or pushing back on boundaries, we have, to, um, we have to stick with it. We have to do it anyways for their own good, even when it's uncomfortable. And this is part of it that I was referring to when we say we walk worthy of the calling. Even if our message isn't being received and our efforts are feeling like they're in vain, they are not. When it comes to weeding, most of the time, 
they are fighting what is best for them as we are fighting for what is best for them. And I'll say that a little bit different. Oftentimes our kids will fight us while we are fighting for them. But Proverbs 6.23 says, For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way of life. So don't grow weary in discipline. And as an adult, don't grow weary in being disciplined. It will lead to life. And I just want to give a little important side note about discipline. Discipline's purpose is to make disciples and to teach. Punishment's purpose is to bring pain and shame. So in the process of disciplining, stick to the discipline, which brings correction and connection. And it may not bring connection right away, because like we said, it's uncomfortable. But the goal is correction and connection, not pain and shame. If you want, the, you want to enjoy the beauty of the harvest, we have to do the hard work of weeding, because it will pay off. So after we weed, sorry, after we water and we weed, now we get to watch in just a minute. I don't see everybody else up here drinking water, but when you're talking for like 30 minutes straight, I feel like, I don't know how you guys do it without just like, I need one of those camelbacks where I'm like, <laughs> okay, so now we get to watch. Watching is what we call out, what we put on display, and how we look for growth. Um, so when they're little, I feel like this is pretty easy when they're they're just little babies. It's like everything is new and exciting, and you can see obvious change, and it's adorable, and there's so much joy and fun, and it's physically exhausting, but there's just so many good things to see. Um, and as they get older, it kind of shifts into character development, and it's not quite as obvious, and sometimes because the weeding is happening at the same time, it can, it can kind of get lost or forgotten to watch for the growth. But we need to watch for the blooming and celebrate the, the growth that you do see. If you think about the first few weeks of spring, it's so exciting as you start to see color popping up everywhere, or um, in the fall when the, the apples are red and they're ready to pick and you get to enjoy them. Um, sometimes the growth is really obvious and sometimes you have to really look for it. But this is just a quick reminder to look for the opportunities and celebrate the growth that you do see. There's almost always something that you can find. Proverbs 16, 24, says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And I wanted to remind you, because sometimes I forget this, that calling out the good doesn't somehow negate the fact that there is still much growth that is needed. It won't somehow make your kid egotistical or arrogant. It will bring life to their hearts and bodies and motivate them to keep going. It will bring security. And if you think about yourself even, if you're in the process of something hard and it's requiring a lot of of growth. Sometimes it just makes all the difference when you have somebody come, out, come alongside of you and call out the good that they do see. Wow, you did a great job getting ready for school on time. I know that that's hard for you. That was a huge blessing to the rest of your siblings who were sitting and waiting in the car. <laughs> or you did an awesome job on your chore. I mean, how many times do we have to have them come back and do the chore again? But when they do the chore, call out the good thing that you do see. Or I saw how you made that person feel really loved. And just a really quick story, um, Tessa came home from school the other day and she could tell that there was a kid who was really struggling. Um, he was her partner in a specific um, exercise that they did and in that time he kind of opened up to her. And the circumstances of his life were enough that I had a hard time hearing. Like my heart literally was like 
no kid should ever have to live in that. And so she was just like, I don't know what to do. So she wrote him a card to encourage him and brought him a snack the next day. And I was so proud of her for not being afraid to do something that was actually an expression of God's love for him in the midst of being in fifth grade, which means if you bring a boy anything, then everybody's like, oh, you know, you know they, they assume that. But she didn't, she didn't worry about it. She was just like, she had a heart of compassion. And when we see those things in the midst of all the other things that we're constantly correcting and constantly weeding out, it's good for us to call those out. No one else sees your kid in your home the way that you do. No one sees their struggles and their victories and the things that they've had to work hard on or that they've had to focus on and work through, and no one sees their unique ability. Um, And we need to be those people for them. They need us to be able to see the good and say it. So we are called to water, to weed, and to watch. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was writing this, I was like, wow, that's kind of a tall order. That's a very consuming calling. Because most of the time, that part is only one sliver of the part of our life. Because most moms are also, sometimes they're working, or they are coaching sports things, or they're homeschooling. Maybe they're volunteering at schools or churches. We have spouses oftentimes. We want to hang out with friends, maybe, or have hobbies. And so this, this big job of momming is not the only thing that we have going on. And I don't know about you, but there's many times that I feel like I just do not have what it takes. I'm just not enough. This is too much. This circumstance that was unexpected, that we didn't know was going to happen, is beyond our capacity. And we can end up every day feeling like, well, I got this much done, but there's all this other stuff that I didn't get done and I'm just not enough. And that brings me to my final W of walk worthy and don't grow weary, and that is to welcome. To welcome is to welcome the one who pours into us. Welcome him into our not enoughness. We need God through the Holy Spirit to pour into us and to fill us so we can pour into others. And I love that last song. I didn't ask him to do that one, but it was perfect. Um, So in the midst of you feeling like, I am not enough, I know that it's not popular in the um, self-help world to, to say to you, you are not enough. Just welcome that. Embrace that. Because I know what they're trying to do and trying to say you are not enough, but the calling that he has called you to, for, for moms this morning, that's what I'm referring to. But for others, if you're called to something, it's always bigger than you. It always will leave you in a position that if you're making a difference in the kingdom, it's going to put you in a position where you are not enough and you desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit to come in. And our not enoughness, embracing the fact that we don't have what it takes, opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to come in and to do what only he can do. So we need to embrace our not enoughness and just say, okay, come on in and do what only you can do because I don't have what it takes. And I want to read um, from the book of Luke to look at the mother of Jesus to see what God gave her in order to enable her to walk out what he had called her to do. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. So first of all, God could have put Jesus into a family that already had a mom and dad, that already had siblings, maybe to a mom that felt a little bit more equipped, but he gave Jesus to Mary, who just being able to have Jesus was a miracle. So I'm going to break it down for you. First, he sends an angel to clarify her calling, and he says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So he reminds her of who he sees her as and who is with her in the midst of this miraculous calling. He then tells her what she is called to, which if you read it, to have the Son of God, to have Jesus, that's a little bit overwhelming. She's probably between 12 and 15 years old at this point. And she says, wow, that sounds like a a bit overwhelming, maybe um, a little impossible. How will this be since I'm a virgin? I don't think it works like that. I'm pretty sure I don't have what it takes, like maybe a husband, for example. And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, for nothing is impossible with God. Here, can I give you this? And she says, okay, the Holy Spirit will over- overshadow me. Nothing is impossible with God. I am your servant. May it be done to me as you have said. I can do what you have called me to do. And I feel like that last key of welcoming, welcoming him in is the only way that we will be able to water, to weed, and to watch. And to do all of that while we are walking worthy of this calling in the midst of unexpected circumstances, things that we never could foresee coming, things that make you go, I had no idea, and I don't know, how, I don't know what we're going to do or how we're going to do it. In the midst of our kids fighting us while we're trying to fight for them, and there's tons of good things in between, But there's a lot of times where it's like, we might just feel like we don't have what it takes. In this last 16 years of parenting, I have felt like Mary many times. I'm not even carrying the son of God. I'm just simply raising very normal children who are also very healthy and wonderful. But there's many times that I felt like, how in the world am I going to know what to do in this? Or how in the world are we going to figure, fill in the blank? Sometimes it just feels like too much, and I'm pretty sure I'm not enough. And uh, one, one example is a year and a half ago, I was, um, I actually like have a very clear memory of me standing in my kitchen at my table. And before I got the phone call, I had already had a list of things I needed to do that was way longer than the time I had to do it. And so I started out already feeling behind. And then I got a call from my boss who is awesome. His job is just telling me what project we're working on. And, um, he says, you know, he gives me what we're doing, and I'm calculating the hours in my head. And I'm just like, 
this is insane. There's no way I can do it. So I started out feeling behind already, and then I felt like now I'm just kind of like crushed and feeling like I'm distracted. I don't have any clarity. I feel kind of brain fog. Like there's just no way I can do all of this. And so I stopped and I was like, God, I just don't have enough. I don't have what it takes. And he was like, I know, you're not enough, but I am. And I will fill you. And as he starts speaking this, I can feel the heaviness and that tightness in my chest kind of start to dissipate. And he says, I'll give you wisdom and I'll help you focus on what needs to get done today, even right now, even in the next hour or the next few hours. Don't look at all the things just look at the one thing that we need to do right now together. And that kind of took this huge weight off of me when I took my eyes off of all the things and I put it on him. I was like, okay, I'm not enough, but you are. I know that you've called me to these things because that's kind of how the conversation started out too is how am I supposed to do all of this? I do feel like you've called me to these. There's nothing I can actually take off my plate right now. And so he was like, it's okay that you're not enough. I am and I'm going to come in. I'm going to give you what you need minute by minute, hour by hour sometimes. I needed to welcome him in and take my eyes off the mountain and just focus it back on the steps that are in front of me. John 6, 63 says, the spirit gives life. John 14, 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We desperately need the daily filling of the Holy Spirit who empowers and equips. And this is just a side note. In the story, the next part is that God had told Mary about Elizabeth. He told her about somebody who was a little bit further ahead in her journey. There's no Facebook announcement. There's no telephones. So in the midst of him telling her what he's called her to do and how the Holy Spirit will come, he also says, and here's this person you can go to for support. And the next part is that Mary hurried to Elizabeth's house. She ran to Elizabeth's house where, where Elizabeth welcomed her, got excited about the baby that was in her belly and the calling that she said yes to, and then she verbally confirmed and blessed Mary's faith in God and trust to do what he had called her to do. We desperately need the Holy Spirit, and we need support. The weight of the calling is impossible unless we have uh, strong faith in God. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you that as you are walking worthy of the call, you're watering kids um, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you're weeding and you're taking that time to pull out. Sometimes it even means protecting, like an insecticide protects the plants from invasive species that want to come. Sometimes that can be so hard as a parent, figuring out what we have to say no to and protecting them from these things and watching for the fruit I pray this morning that you will welcome him in. And so, um, you know, I know that that was specifically for moms. I hope that there were some things in there for other people. Um, but I want to just invite you as we close to, um, to just open up your heart to the Holy Spirit this morning, to ask him to come in. If you're feeling weary or maybe a little overwhelmed or like you need wisdom in specific areas or maybe you're like, I need to pick up the, the pace in one of these areas, we're going to trust the Lord this morning. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you in right now. God, I thank you for the calling that you've placed on each one of our lives. Not just those who are moms this morning, but each person in here. That the callings you have called us to, to expand your kingdom and to invest well, go far beyond our own abilities. And we recognize this morning that we need you to come in and fill. So I pray, especially for moms who are feeling weary this morning, 
maybe feeling like they are beyond their capacity, Holy Spirit, that you would pour in and that you would fill every area. God, you see it all. You know every single person's struggle. You know their strengths. I pray that you'd come in and that you would do what only you can do as we do all that we can do to fill and to pour and to do the hard work of mothering. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your goodness. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. I hope you guys have a wonderful afternoon, get to connect with your kids in some way, and that this week you go and allow the Holy Spirit to, to pour into you as you pour out. Music. Music.